Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analysing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at chapters 26, 27, and 28 of Insurgent. So where we left off... The Dauntless, they killed Eric and then they left Kanda and they go back to the Dauntless headquarters and they're just like, oh, let's just disable all of these video cameras, the CCTV, and we'll do that via the art form of paintball. And then that evolves into a paintball fight and then they're eating cake, but Triss is judging them for eating so much cake. Triss has just been such a negative little Nancy ever since she shot Will. Anyway... She goes to sleep and we start chapter 26 and she says, something shakes me awake. And it's someone saying, Tris, get up, get up. And she's like, all right, I'm up, I'm up. She says, I don't question it. She's getting dragged out of bed. She doesn't know who it is. And then she squints and she says, oh, that's Christina. And she's like, Christina, what's going on? And she says, shut up and run. And she tells us the last time Christina pulled me out of bed, it was to see Al's body lifted out of the chasm. And she's thinking, oh no, not again. It can't have happened again. It can't. No, it it probably hasn't happened again because Al's dead. So Christina's running her towards an elevator and she sends it to go to the top floor. And she says, simulation, there's a simulation going on. It's not everyone, just a few. And she says, one of them, Marlene, she said something about Divergent while she was under the simulation, but it didn't sound like her. It was too monotone. And if we know anything about Marlene, it's that she's a bundle of laughs. She never speaks monotone. So then they get to the roof and Triss is like, oh, Christina, what are we doing on the roof? Like, just go with it, Triss. Clearly something's going on. I don't think Christina's on the roof by choice. So her eyes are adjusting and she sees three people on the roof standing on the ledge facing her. And one is Marlene, one is Hector. Hector, Hector, Hector. I believe that's someone's brother, perhaps. Let's say Shauna's brother. So Hector, he's there. And then there's also one that she doesn't recognize, probably about eight years old and with a green streak in her hair. And so they're standing there motionless. And Christina's like, come on guys, don't do anything stupid, come on. And Tris's like, Christina, you're an idiot. They can't hear you. So Triss is staring at Marlene's eyes. Her eyes are blank, like painted stones, like spheres of glass. Blank, like painted stones. Painted stones and spheres of glass, they're two very different things, but she, okay. All right. Um, She feels like the stones are slipping down her throat and settling in her stomach. So now those stones, those stones that are on 
the eyes or the eyes that are stones, but also glass, they're now in her throat and her stomach as well. Lots going on. And so then Marlene speaks in this monotone flat voice. She says, I have a message for the divergent. And she thinks, oh no, the simulation is using her vocal cords, but it's robbing them of the natural fluctuations of human emotion. Like, okay, yeah, that's, that's the point of this. That's the takeaway, everybody. The simulation's overriding her free will, but it's robbing her of her natural fluctuations of human emotion. Oh no. Oh, and I think I was right. Hector is Shauna and Lynn's brother. Woohoo. I'm slowly learning these characters. Hope I don't get too attached to any of them in case they might fall off of this ledge. So Marlene, well, simulation Marlene, she says, this is not a negotiation. It is a warning. Every two days until one of you delivers yourself to Erudite headquarters, this will happen again. Actually, I think, I think I can represent the lack of natural fluctuations of human emotion a bit better. One moment. This is not a negotiation. It is a warning. Every two days until one of you delivers yourself to Erudite headquarters, this will happen again. And so Triss, she's like, this? What do they mean by this? And then Marlene, she steps back off the ledge. And so Triss, she throws herself forward, but not at Marlene. She says, not at Marlene, who once let Uriah shoot a muffin off her head on a dare. That's who Marlene is. Just as Marlene's dying, she's reminding us of the one key thing that we should all remember about Marlene, that she once let Uriah shoot a muffin off her head. That was a fun moment in time, wasn't it? Oh, I miss the days of the muffins on their heads. Also, hilarious to remind us who she is while she's dying. We've been dealing with Marlene for the past eight chapters, and this tidbit has not come up. I would have greatly appreciated a a better reminder of who Marlene was a little while ago. Back at Candor, perhaps. So she's diving at Hector. I guess she's making the split decision to just ditch Marlene and save Hector instead because Hector's younger. Or she wants to see all her friends die at the result of one of her choices because there seems to be a trend. And so Christine is there. She's helping Triss pull up Hector's body from the edge of the roof. And I guess she's already also rescued the little girl. She says a few feet away, the little girl lies on her back on the rooftop. Kind of wish Christina woke up someone else. So they would have had a third person to try and rescue poor Marlene, but I guess not. So then the simulation's over. Hector and the girl, they wake up and then she looks out over the roof and she says, I can see Marlene's faint outline on the pavement. Oh, that's rough. And so then she's in a mood. So she goes to the elevator by herself. She just ignores Christina and Hector and the girl with the green hair just lying on the rooftop. And she goes to the elevator and she says, the doors close and I drop to the earth just as Marlene did after I decided not to save her. And I scream, my hands tearing at my clothes. Okay, I don't know if that's the most appropriate metaphor to make in this point in time. You're descending in an elevator safely You're not dropping to the earth just as Marlene did. (laughs) Next time I get in an elevator, I'm just going to think of it as dropping to the earth. Like why use the word descend when you can use drop to the earth instead? So she's in the elevator. She's screaming. She's clawing at herself. She says, my throat is raw and there are scratches on my arms. And then the elevator stops with a ding and the doors open. And she's just like, 
la-da-dee-la-dee-da, she just walks out all composed. And then she's playing over in her head the words that were in the message. I have a message for the Divergent. This is not a negotiation. And she's like, mm-hmm, that, that's them talking to me. This is a warning. And she's like, I get it. Every two days until one of you delivers yourself to Erudite headquarters. And she says, yeah, I will. <laughs> they say this will happen again. And she thinks it will never happen again. And that's the end of the chapter. So she's pretty much just giving in to Janine's hostage situation demand straight away. No thought for strategy. She's just like, oh, you, you want me to deliver myself to Erudite? Okay. Easy does it. So then chapter 27, we must jump forward a bit because it's like the day of Marlene's funeral, which very well could be the next day. But she's saying she's trying to avoid the crowd near the chasm because she doesn't want to hear the speech that Tori's going to make about how brave Marlene was, blah, blah, blah. And she says this morning, okay, so I think it is the next day. They are very quick with the funerals, the Dauntless. She says, this morning, Lauren reported that we missed some of the cameras in the initiate dormitories. And that was where Christina, Zeke, Lauren, Marlene, Hector, and Key, which is the name of the girl with the green hair, Key, horrible name. That's where they were sleeping. And that's how Janine figured out who the simulation was controlling. (laughs) They missed some cameras. How exactly did they miss some cameras, especially in the dormitories? How hidden are these cameras? Maybe they would have found them if they stopped playing paintball. And then she thinks, I do not doubt that Janine chose Young Dauntless because she knew their deaths would affect us more. Uh, well, I thought you just told me she chose them based on who she could see through the cameras that you did not get to yet. I don't really know if we know that that's how Janine operates, that she would just try and kill off the young people. Unclear. So she goes to an unfamiliar hallway, just trying to get some peace and quiet. And then Christina rocks up and Christina's like, oh, hi, Tris. And she says, I'm not really in the mood to feel more guilt right now. So go away, please. Like what? You just killed her boyfriend and you're giving her attitude. Why are you giving her attitude? She should be giving you attitude. And Christina, she just says, oh, totally, totally. I get that. I just want to tell you one thing first and then I will. And so she says to Triss, I'd never seen that kind of simulation before. You know, from the outside. <laughs> she was in a simulation. She, <laughs> But oh, I've, I've never seen it from the outside, so I never knew what it would be like. You were under the simulation, Christina. Oh. She says, but yesterday, you were right. They couldn't hear you, couldn't see you, just like Will. Yeah, yeah. do you remember when you were under the simulation and you couldn't hear or see shit? And she says, you told me you had to do it or he would have shot you. And I didn't believe you. I believe you now. And I'm going to try to forgive you. That's all I wanted to say. No, no, don't forgive her. She still could have shot him in the leg. That's the whole point. She shot Peter in the leg like two hours later. And here you are forgiving. She hasn't even really said sorry. And you're forgiving her. She just... Gave you a little bit of sass in the hallway and you're forgiving her. Christina, I, I thought more of you. An ungrateful bitch, Triss. She does not know how lucky she is right now getting this forgiveness. She says, oh, there's a part of me that feels relief, but a larger part, a larger part of me feels anger. What did she think before now that I wanted to shoot Will? (laughs) She should have trusted me from the beginning. Should have known that I wouldn't have done it if I had been able to see another option at the time. Not good enough, Triss. No, you cannot flip this around to you being the victim. 
Oh, what does she think that I wanted to shoot Will? Well, you did shoot him. So I'm, is it that crazy that Christina would maybe take a few moments to consider that? Like, really, is it that crazy? She should have just trusted you blindly, Tris. Get, Get fucked. But she keeps going. She says, how fortunate for me that you finally got proof that I'm not a cold blooded murderer. You know, other than my word. I mean, what reason would you have to trust that? You'd better hurry on that forgiving me thing because there isn't much time. And I'm like, okay, Tris, just say, oh, thank you for understanding. Like, would that be that hard? And then she starts sobbing. She's playing the victim. And she's also sort of admitting that she's going to go turn herself into the erudite with the, you better hurry on not forgiving me because there isn't much time or whatever. So yeah, she's guilt tripping Christina and she's, she's thriving at it. She's doing a great job because then Christina's comforting her. Uh, She says she wraps her arms around me and squeezes so hard it hurts. Oh, well, that's, that's a little bit of secret payback. And Tris tells us that Christina smells like coconut oil which struck me as weird because like, is that a thing that exists in this book? Where, where are all the stocks of coconut oil coming from? Like if she is using coconut oil in what, like shampoo, soap, I assume that's how she'd smell of coconut oil unless she was downstairs baking with coconut oil. But where is all the coconut oil coming from? I get the impression that everything they eat is getting grown at the Amity Farms. They're not importing coconut oil. Or do we just have like a huge stock of coconut oil left over from whatever calamity happened that made this society be this way? How can Tris identify the small coconut oil? Has she ever used coconut oil? Uh, uh. These are the questions we need to ask ourselves or a copy editor needed to ask Veronica. And so they're kneeling together, clutching each other. And Christina says, it's already done. That's what I meant to say, that the forgiving was already done. She's forgiving. I mean... That's crazy. And so then she says, all the dauntless go quiet when I walk into the cafeteria that night. I don't blame them. As one of the divergent, I have the power to let Janine kill one of them. Most of them probably want me to sacrifice myself or they are terrified that I won't. How did they all find out? Was everybody on the roof? No, I think it was just you and Christina on the roof. So who blabbed? If I were you, I wouldn't have blabbed. Or I would have said, hey, Christina, let's not incite panic into the rest of the Dauntless, let's not blab. So then she goes over to Zeke and Lynn's table and Lynn's looking pretty upset because Marlene was her sister. I think, no, wait, no, they weren't. Because then she says, I miss Marlene. I've known her for a long time. Okay, well, I guess you wouldn't phrase it like that if you were related. Oh no, Shauna, Shauna's, Shauna and Lynn and Hector, they're related. Oh, fuck me, who gives a shit? I need a family tree. I need a family tree. So Lynn was just a friend with Marlene. Oh no, but Lynn is related to Hector. So she says, thank you for saving Heck. Even though she, she didn't save Marlene in, in Hector's place. So that's pretty awkward of Lynn to say. So Lynn hugs her and walks off. And so then she's sitting there with Zeke and Uriah. And Tris feels awkward. So she tries to start conversation and she's like, oh, where's Shauna? still in the hospital? And Zeke says, no, she's over there. And, and points towards the table that Lynn was walking to, which is the direction Triss was looking at previously. So I don't know how Shauna slipped Triss's line of sight. Well, actually we do know because she says, I see her there. So pale, she might as well be translucent sitting in a wheelchair. So she didn't see Shauna because Shauna's so translucent 
that Triss just looked right through her. And Zeke says Shauna shouldn't be up and about, but Lynn's pretty messed up, so she's keeping her company. But if you're wondering why they're all the way over the other side of the room, it's because Shauna found out that I'm divergent and she doesn't want to catch it. Oh, Shauna, you're an idiot. So then Tobias walks in and she notes that she had been avoiding him since their fight. And so things between them are still super awkward and they're just staring at each other. And so then eventually she's like, um, aren't you going to ask me if I'm all right? Because she's very needy. She's very demanding. And he says, no, I'm pretty sure you're not all right. Which, I mean, doesn't mean that you shouldn't ask her how she's doing. You can still ask out of politeness for, but whatever. And so then he says, I'm going to ask you not to make any decisions until we've talked about it. And she's thinking, it's too late. The decision's made. And then Uriah, he says, yeah, we all need to talk about it. It involves all of us. I don't think anyone should turn themselves in. See, this is why you should have kept your mouth shut, Tris. If you really want to go and leave and turn yourself into Janine, why'd you tell everyone about it? Because now they're going to convince you not to. And Tris, she's like, uh, what do you mean we don't turn ourselves in? Like, (laughs) one of us has to, like, clearly. Janine's laying down the gauntlet. There's nothing we can do. As an army, there's nothing we can do to stop her. And Uriah's like, uh, let's just fight back. And Tris says, oh yeah, let's provoke the woman who can force half of this compound to kill themselves. That sounds like a great idea. And Uriah, he's like, I don't appreciate the sarcasm. And he says, don't talk about it like that. And she's like, sorry, but you know I'm right. The best way to ensure that half our faction doesn't die is to sacrifice one life. Oh, the sacrifice again. She loves a sacrifice, doesn't she? And Tobias says, Tori and Harrison and I decided to increase security. Why they would not have more security when it's wartime, I'm not too clear. And Four says, hopefully if everyone is more aware of these attacks, we will be able to stop them. I don't think he's thought that one out either. I don't really know how awareness will help when there's long range transmitters and simulation serums injected into half of your people, but whatever. And Four's like, but no one's going to do anything just yet, okay? And he's he's death staring Triss. He's like, okay, wink, wink. And she's like, yeah, yeah, okay. But she's not quite meeting his eyes. She's fully intending to go and turn herself into Janine. So just go, go do it. What are you waiting for? So then after dinner, she's just walking around the dorm and she goes past the water fountain where Al, Peter and Drew attacked her. And she's like, oh, I remember the water fountain. I remember Al bringing back memories. And then she thinks I have to get away from here. Far from the places where my friend attacked me, where Peter stabbed Edward, where a sightless army of my friends began its march towards the abnegation sector and all this insanity began. Yeah, there are some bad memories there. <laughs> when, she, when she lays it out like that, it does make sense why you'd want to leave. So she decides instead of going into her dorm to head to the last place where she ever felt safe and that was Tobias's apartment. And it's apparently unlocked because she just walks right in even though he's not there. And so she just sits on his bed and starts sniffing his quilt. Creep alert. And then the door opens and Tobias comes in and she's like, oh, busted. (laughs) She says, my arms go limp and the quilt falls into my lap. And she's like, how am I going to explain this? But he, he lets it slide. He's more focused on the fact that he can tell that she wants to go and sacrifice herself. And he says, don't be an idiot. He says, you were lying when you said you wouldn't go to Erudite and going to Erudite would make you an idiot. So don't. 
And she says, mm, it's not that simple. You know as well as I do that this is the right thing to do. And he's like, oh, so now, now you're in abnegation. And he has a point. She's divergent. She's rejected being abnegation plenty of time. She's dauntless. And she's also erudite, but she's not being very clever. And she says, his voice fills the room and makes fear prickle in my chest. His anger seems too sudden, too strange. I don't, I don't really know if it is. He's angry. You and him have been fighting all book. There's certainly some tension that is between the two of you that needs to be resolved. And he says, all this time you spent insisting that you were too selfish for abnegation. And now when your life's on the line, you want to go and be the hero. What the hell's wrong with you? And she says, what's wrong with you? People died. They walked right off the edge of the building and I can stop it from happening again. Hey, you know who else fell off a building? That poor little initiate back after the choosing ceremony in Divergent who didn't know how to jump off the train well enough and plummeted to her death. Remember that? Remember when she died? No one cared then. Like, I mean, how's it different? If you want people to stop dying, maybe go and talk to the train conductors about stopping. Maybe fix the brakes on the train if you care about people falling off buildings so badly. And four, he says, you're too important to just die. Mm. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, I don't know. I don't think the concern should be so much that she's going to go to Erudite and be instantly killed. Shouldn't the concern be more that they're like going to study her brain? Maybe shoot her up with 
truth-telling serum that they borrowed from the candor and get her to reveal all of the secrets that you guys have been working on. You know, the plans that you came up with with the factionless just the other night. Because ultimately, who cares if she dies? But her turning herself into Erudite, like, what, why do you think they want you? And she's like, meh, people will be fine without me. And he says, well, what about me? And then he crosses the room, his lips touch hers, and then they're making out. <laughs> Tell you what, I did not see it going that way. I thought, I thought we were going to have a fight, and little did I know it was just extended foreplay for the two of them. So they make out for a bit. She feels like old times. And then she pulls away because she's like, uh, but I'm also that girl that shot Will. And I'm also that girl that chose between Hector and Marlene. And now I can't erase those things. So I'm not that girl that I was before. And she says, ah, you know what? You'll move on. You, you know, not at first, but you'll eventually move on and do what you have to do. Or he'll die because you've just given Janine all of your secrets and she'll come and storm the compound. I don't think whether he'll move on after your death in a dating sense should be the primary concern. And he says, that's a lie. I won't move on. And then he's kissing her again. (laughs) And she's feeling him up. She's pressing a hand against his shoulder blades. She's got the other hand around his neck. She's on her tippy toes to kiss him. And then he sits on the bed and she's still standing. So they're eye to eye because I guess he's that tall or she's that short. I don't really know if I realize the height difference here, but so then he's touching her face and he's sliding his fingertips down her neck. Then he's grabbing onto her hips. And so then she's fitting her mouth to his. And then she says, and he tastes like water and smells like fresh air. Tastes like water. Does water have a taste that's that identifiable? And fresh air, is that, what kind of smell is fresh air? And then they're kissing even harder and she's got her hand underneath his shirt and she's like, oh, I know he was strong, but I didn't know how strong until I felt it myself. All these muscles in his back tightening beneath my fingers. I'm pretty sure she's felt his muscles before. I don't know why this is a shock to her. And he says, promise me that you won't go for me. Do this one thing for me. And she's like, hmm, I don't know if I can do that. And she thinks if I don't go to Erudite, who will? Tobias? And she's like, well, I don't want him to go. So I guess I better go. Or maybe no one goes. Or maybe everyone goes. Storm the Erudite building. Like, seriously, you're you're the army. You can defeat a couple of nerds in a building. Like their, their headquarters is a library. You're telling me you can't overcome them? I mean, really, guys. Yeah, they have a few dauntless traitors on their side, but come on, you can overpower them. Imagine being that afraid of the erudite. Like, oh, just go and nip it in the bud. Anyway, so she lies to him. She says, okay. And he says, promise. And she's like, I promise. Even though we know she's a terrible liar. She's never been a great liar. Never. And apparently Tobias believes that, but maybe he doesn't. It's kind of up in the air because that's the end of the chapter. So I think they fuck. (laughs) I think they fuck in between the chapters there because she just says, when he starts to fall asleep, he keeps his arms around me fiercely. But then he falls asleep and his grip loosens and his breathing steadies. So I'm assuming that's post-coital. And she shrugs on one of his sweatshirts so that she can carry the smell of him with her. So I do think she was naked in that bed. Detective Nathan is on the case and I think they banged. 
And she's thinking, I will not let Tobias go to Erudite when it happens again. When someone else dies, I will not. Like, bitch, if you go to Erudite, they can still take over half of your population with the simulation. I don't think Janine's going to be like, oh, thanks for turning yourself in. Thanks for catering to my demands. I'm totally a different person now and I'm not going to do you dirty. Trust me. I'll uphold my end of the deal. Like I'm fine killing people, but yeah, sure. You can trust me with a pinky promise. How naive, Tris. Anyway, so she says, I love you. And then she slips out. She's doing the walk of shame through the dormitory, (laughs) back to where she used to sleep. And it must be late because everyone else is asleep. Christina's in the bottom bunk beneath Lynn. And she's like, oh, I gotta wake Christina up, but I don't wanna startle her, but I have to wake her up. But I don't wanna startle her. So what she does is she covers Christina's mouth with her hand (laughs) and then Christina's like awake and she's not screaming out, but I do think she's still startled. I can't think of a more startling way to wake up. You know, just a slight little shove on the shoulder, maybe a splash of water on the face. God, even throw the covers off her and yank on a foot or something. I mean, if you don't want to startle someone, you don't suffocate them with your hand over their mouth. So she wakes up and then Triss is like, follow me with her fingers and her eye contact or whatever. She doesn't want to wake anyone up. So they go out into a corridor and Christina's like, what is it, bestie? Because, you know, she's forgiven her completely. And Triss says, oh, yeah, I'm going to go see my brother. He's with the abnegation, remember? And she tells us, I have to lie or she'll try to stop me. And I'm like, yeah, but you're a bad liar. And Christina from Canda, she's like a walking lie detector test. She's never not been able to call you out on your lies before, Tris. So I don't know why you're picking her of all people to lie to. And Christina's like, Tris, you're acting really strange. Are you sure you're not? And then she cuts her off and she says, I'm not. Listen, I have to do something. You need to do something really important for me while I'm away. The timing of the simulation attack wasn't random. The reason it happened when it did is because the abnegation were about to do something. I don't know what it was, but it had to do with some important information. And now Janine has that information. Where's she getting all this? Like, I know it's been hinted at, but when did she have time to put that thought together? Also, she's not going to end up going to abnegation. So I don't know why she's spinning this yarn. She says, the thing is, I haven't been able to find out much because Marcus Eaton is the only person who knows everything and he won't tell me, but I know it's the reason for the attack. It's the reason and we need to know it. And Christina's like, yeah, okay. The reason Janine forced us to attack innocent people. Yeah, we need to know that. I love how they're all just calling her Janine, first name basis. Like she has a surname. (laughs) Like they just said Marcus Eaton, but with Janine, they're like, oh, it's Janine. We don't need to say Janine Matthews. It's Janine. There's only one Janine in all of Chicago. She's like Madonna or Rihanna at this point. And Tris says, oh, I'd almost forgotten. She was under the simulation. So how many abnegation did she kill guided by the simulation? How did she feel when she awoke from that dream a murderer? I've never asked and I never will. (laughs) She's like, oh, I'm empathizing with Christina, but I'm not that interested. I'm never going to (laughs) ask. So then Tris says, I need your help. I need someone to persuade Marcus to cooperate. And I think you can do it. What? Why? How does she have these credentials? Oh, who cares? Oh, who cares? Who cares? Who cares? And so then Christina's like, Tris, don't do anything stupid. She's cottoned on. And she's like, I told you, I'm just visiting Caleb. I'll be back in a few days. 
I just thought it would be better if someone else knew all about this before I left just in case. And Christina's like, yeah, okay, whatever. (laughs) Christina's like, it's too late at night. You've interrupted my beauty sleep by startling me in a very startling way. I'm not going to indulge you. If you want to go turn yourself in, turn yourself in, whatever. I don't give a shit. Let me go back to bed. So then they say goodbye. Well, they don't say goodbye. (laughs) They just leave. She walks out. She says, I hold myself together until I'm through the door. And then the tears come. The last conversation I'll ever have with her. And it was full of lies. Yet you also lied to her when you said you didn't know Will was dead. Like, I... (laughs) Also, she knows that you're lying. She knows you can't honestly believe that you just got away with that. So now she's out in the middle of the street. She's wearing Tobias's sweatshirt and the town is abandoned. She says there's no signs of life. And so she just starts walking towards Erudite. The trains mustn't be working. I mean, although they don't stop, so I can't see how they wouldn't be running, but okay. She says, I walk in the shadows of buildings hoping my footsteps won't attract any attention. So she's walking underneath the elevated train tracks. They shudder with the movements of an oncoming train. So there are trains running. I don't know why she didn't just jump on one. And she says, I didn't think about how far I would have to walk when I set out. It isn't long before my body warms with the exertion of walking. Then, then catch the train. It's not like you have to pay a fare. Just catch the train. You've caught the train to Erudite before. I know it runs in that direction. (sighs) And then she says, soon I reach a part of the city that I recognize. The streets are better kept here. Far away, I see the glow of Erudite headquarters, their lights violating our energy conservation laws. Because that's the main laws that they're breaking. They just killed half of abnegation, but oh no, their lights are on in the middle of the night. How dare they? The massacre and the murder and the mayhem and the destroying of the free will, that's one thing. But the rampant energy use? Oh, no, no, deplorable. And she says, I don't know what I'll do when I get there. Demand to see Janine or just stand there until someone notices me. Isn't it like 2 a.m. or something? Why are you assuming that they'll all be up? I know the lights are on, so I guess some people are up. I don't know if they work in shifts in Erudite or whatever, but seems an odd time of night for you to be announcing yourself at Erudite HQ. So now she's starting to freak out. She says, oh, I'm almost there. And then she's wondering, what will they do when I get there? What plans do they have for me before I outlive my usefulness and they kill me? So she does understand that they might do some tests on her before they kill her. Good. I wasn't sure that she knew that before, but at least she knows that going into it. Makes her all the more stupid for still going, but whatever. She says, I focus on moving my legs forward and there I am, standing in front of Erudite headquarters. Inside, crowds of blue-shirted people sit around tables, typing on computers or bent over books or passing sheets of paper back and forth. What, What are they doing up? What are they doing up? You're not telling me that the dauntless of all people, after a funeral, they're all drinking alcohol after the funeral. They all went to bed. Lynn and Christina and Tobias, they were all dead to the world asleep. And yet here we have study hall and Erudite just in full swing. And she's been walking for like, what, at least an hour as well. So what is it like 3am, 4am? It must be. It's at least late enough for them to be breaking their energy conservation laws. And so she's outside staring through the window at them all. And she thinks this is the last moment I will be able to turn back. 
Can people not see you outside the window? She's thinking, I'll just walk away now, take refuge in the dauntless compound and hope and pray and wish that no one else dies because of my selfishness. I don't know if you will be able to because surely they have sentries. They have some people watching guard. I know it's late at night, but they would have someone watching considering everyone else is awake. And she says, but I can't walk away. The guilt would be too much. She says the weight of Will's life and my parents' lives and now Marlene's life will break my bones. Okay, well, I'll give you Will. You did kill Will. But I mean, you're not the one that killed Marlene. Yeah, you didn't save her, but I mean, how could you have really? You picked Hector. Just, you know, live with it. <laughs> and your parents, they don't, that's not your fault either. I'd be blaming Janine and that's why I would have come with the peace. I would have been packing heat and I would have said, oh, I'm turning myself into Janine. No weapons on me. And then I would have pulled it out and been like, pop, pop. And then she says, I slowly walked to, what? I slowly walked toward the building and push open the doors. You were just standing outside looking in, but okay, so now she's in the building. Just so we're all clear, she's now in the building. And so then she's standing before the giant portrait of Janine Matthews. And she says, no one notices me. <laughs> Not even the two dauntless trader guards just milling around near the entryway. No, no one's noticed her. Middle of the night, Dauntless person just wanders right in and none of them are noticing. I'm starting to think the erudite may not be as smart as they believe themselves to be. And the dauntless trader security guards, I mean, you'd fire them, wouldn't you? So then she's walking up to the front desk where a middle-aged man with a bald patch, he's sitting there sorting through papers and she's like, excuse me. And he says, give me a moment. (laughs) It's the middle of the night. Why is the reception desk open? And she says, no, I'm not going to give you a moment. And he's like, oh, oh, we've got attitude. And so then he looks up and he's like, hold on a minute. He's about to tell her off. He's about to get his little inner Karen out and be like, excuse me. And then he sees her and he's like, oh, okay. uh, You might be a dauntless person. (laughs) You might be a little divergent chick. I better check myself. And she says, I believe Janine Matthews wanted to see me. So I would appreciate it if you would contact her. She's probably in bed. Oh, and so then the guards are finally caught on. So they come over and they're like, oh, hi, are you divergent? (laughs) They should have just set up a specified registration desk for all the divergent they were expecting to walk on in. I bet they can't believe it. I bet they're all like, what? (laughs) That worked? (laughs) They're like, oh my God, really? You came? (laughs) They can't believe it. They're pissing themselves in the back room being like, oh my God, she came. This is ridiculous. And she didn't even catch the train. She walked all the way in the middle of the night. That's crazy. And so then some more dauntless come out of the elevator and there's Peter. And she's like, oh no, not Peter. She says a thousand potential reactions rush through my mind at once. Surely you would have expected that he would be there. Like, was he not Janine's right-hand man when there was the meeting on the bridge? Like, uh, I know she's got a lot running through her mind, but surely she could have anticipated that Peter would be there where he said he would be. And Peter, he's laughing. He's like, oh my God, you dummy. He says, oh, we've been instructed to take you upstairs. (laughs) And now she's getting scared. She wanted to say something witty back to him, but she couldn't think of a thing. So they go upstairs. Well, she says, despite the fact that we climb a few flights of stairs, I still feel like I am plunging into the earth, which is just a little call back to Marlene (laughs) plunging to the earth just as she descended in an elevator. 
So they take her to this small room and there's some light panels just like in an aptitude test room and in the corner there's a tiny black camera and she's freaking out now. She says, I look from corner to corner at the cameras and she's fighting this scream that's building up inside of her. (laughs) I don't know why she's now all of a sudden just been like, oh shit, maybe I shouldn't have done this. Like instant regret. So she says, I curl up so I can press my face to my knees. I have to make a plan. If I can make a plan, I won't be so afraid. Plan? You got what you wanted. People said, don't go. And you went. And, and now you're like, oh, I got to get out of here. Oh, Tris, you are definitely not erudite. You are so dumb. And then she says, but there is no plan. No escape from deep and erudite headquarters. No escape from Janine and no other escape from what I've done. Yeah, then why'd you do it? Why are you looking for an escape? I, th- I thought you wanted to be there. Oh, she's such a dummy. But that was the end of the chapter. A frustrating couple of chapters, let me just tell you. I really enjoyed the bit where Marlene fell off of a building. But other than that, ugh. Hopefully Janine kills her next chapter, but what's the bet she escapes this one as well? Maybe Caleb will come and save the day. Who knows? If you have any theories, let me know. And I'll catch you guys next week for the thrilling, thrilling continuation of this story that we all love so much. Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.